0: This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com and by the Ham Station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's Ham Radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number 16. Joe Eisenberg, K-Zero NEB The Kit Guy, recorded live on Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight on the show, Joe Eisenberg, K-Zero NEB, the Kit Building Editor at CQ Magazine is here to talk about the latest in kit building. We'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week on the show, 2013 Newsline Young Ham of the Year, Padre Glissandru, KC9 UUS, was here to talk about life since the award, including his internships at SpaceX and being on the build team of a nano-satellite named Violet. If you missed the show, you can download it at any time at hamtalklive.com or on Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google play tune in or YouTube. Um, if you missed the ham talk live shirt sale that ended a couple of days ago, uh, but we will do a second order later on in the summer. So, uh, feel free to check back on our Facebook page, Facebook page or Twitter feed, uh, or the website. But I do have a few remaining from the staff order. So, um, I don't have all the sizes and all the, um, Uh, different ones, but I do have a few, so if you want, you can message me and uh, see if I have the one that you want. Otherwise, we'll be doing uh, another order later on in the summer. After the second commercial break, be ready to call in with your kit questions. You can call us on Skype at the username HamTalkLive or by telephone. The number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638- 4261 and you can also send a question via twitter our twitter handle is at ham live next joe eisenberg k0 neb right after this word from the ham station right here on ham talk live this episode of ham talk live is brought to you by the ham station for 35 years the ham station has brought new and used radios antennas accessories and equipment to the amateur radio community Give Jeff or Dan a call at 1-800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Hamstation carries all the major brands like Icom, Yaesu, and Kenwood. Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, Kushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Five out of four people have trouble with fractions. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. The Ham Station has you covered for both the new and used equipment. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. Be sure to listen to the show every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on hamtalklive.com. Also check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Just search for Ham Talk Live. Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, is an expert in kit building. He's the longtime kit building editor at CQ Magazine and often makes presentations and offers kit builds at HamFest conventions and club meetings, including the Dayton Hamvention and the Huntsville HamFest. Joe started ham radio at age 14 and has been licensed since 1969. He's also well known for his picture shows of Hamvention. His famous Dr. Seuss hat that he only wears at Dayton. Maybe we'll have time to talk about that. And uh, Joe lives in Lincoln, Nebraska and is an avid Cornhusker fan. He works in the IT industry for his day job. But Joe, thanks so much for being on Ham Talk Live tonight.
1: Well, good evening, Neil, and uh, hello from Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: Yeah, it was great to see you at Hamvention uh, for, for just a, a minute or so. But uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about uh, some Hamvention stuff a little later and, on.
1: And I, I got to see you when you were five years old at the Kenwood booth.
0: Yeah, I, I was actually telling um, Joel over at the, the Kenwood booth about that. Um, that uh, that was the, the place where I was when I was a, a little kid signing QSL cards and everything. So In fact, I remember you, them you've giving seen me a
1: uh 520.
0: <laughs> yeah, I found the receipt for that the other day. Uh, and uh, my mom had passed away here a couple months ago and uh um I um, well not a couple months ago, a month ago or so. Uh anyway, I, we were going through some stuff and found the the receipt for the 520 that they uh, they wrote no charge on. It, it was pretty cool. So what's uh what's the, the the new stuff going on in kit building? What's the latest going on in kit building these days?
1: Well, there's, there's a lot of kits coming from a lot of sources. Now, of course, you know, in the early 90s when Heathkit went out, uh, they were the biggest source of kits. And the one that had the most kits in terms of numbers of kits was Ramsey Electronics uh, from that point on. And as of January 1st, they got out of the business. So everybody's saying, well, who else has a lot of kits? Well, they come from all sorts of places. There are, of course, private... Uh, Uh, builders as well as organizations such as the four state qrp group has a whole bunch of neat kits like the ozark patrol which is a regenerative receiver where you solder the parts onto the back of the board that's the front panel so for a beginning kit builder it's pretty cool because you don't have holes to put the wires through instead you solder them to pads and trim them there. And it's easy to desolder that by simply tucking the soldering iron under the part and lifting it up. So four state QRP has several kits that are built in that style. Um, Some receivers, transmitters and stuff for QRP. Um, There is qrpkits.com, which has a huge variety of QRP radios, including transceivers with digital display and a lot of simple kits, they call their new easy kits that just came out, uh, that are, I would say, easily built in an hour or so, uh, some less than that. Um, uh, and you go all the way up to Ellacraft who makes some pretty high-end kits. Now, the K2 transceiver has been around for quite a while. And uh, although it's not really inexpensive, it is still a part-by-part, you solder each piece uh, all band, all mode transceiver, uh, and with a lot of the features that you'd expect on a on a good radio, and uh, some of the best performance in the in the receiver business on the K two. Um, there are modular kits like the KX three and the K three from Elecraft that you put together, but you don't solder which is still useful because you learn about what's inside the radio. But they still make the KX1, which is a portable handheld CW transceiver, and the K1, which is another portable CW transceiver. And and there's a company called DZ Kits, and they're from Colorado, and they have the Sienna XL, which is a uh, full-featured multiband transceiver uh, that you can get with options from 20 milliwatts to 100 watts. Um, in fact, I would say that the two best sets of manuals are the Alicraft and the DZ kits. Uh, I think they are, are probably some of the more well-documented kits out there. Uh, Four-state QRP kits have uh, nice manuals and, and, uh, uh, as well. A lot of the kit makers, besides those two big ones, uh, have the manuals uh, as a download, as a PDF. And so you download the manual and print it yourself. That way, if they make any changes or updates, uh, they don't have to change a bunch of books. And uh, you can read the manual before you order the kit. So um, there's a lot of kits. I I can't put my finger on the best ones. Uh, Another source of of simple kits to get going is qrpme.com. And that's Rex W1Rex, and he makes the Tuna Tin series of kits based on the original uh, uh, Tuna Tin by Doug Dema from ARL. So um, the the kits that are out there uh, come from a wide variety of sources. Uh, there are QRP clubs, like I said, that like four state that actually finance their conventions by the sale of kits. Um, so. I, I can't put my finger on which one is the very best, but so there's some very high-quality kits
0: there. Now, one of the things I heard you talking about um, on the Elecraft rig was that, uh, I'm not sure if it's all of them or one of them, is the, the, like, the test equipment for the rest of the build.
1: Yeah, the K2, uh, they have you build the front panel first because it has basically a digital display that's a frequency counter, and uh, can measure voltages and things like that. It's it's kind of an amazing way to do it. And so the the K two actually the front panel is the test equipment to align the rest of the radio.
0: Yeah, that, that sounded uh, like a really uh, cool idea. And of course, documentation is like you said is is always uh, a real valuable uh, thing. And you know, when I was growing up, building the horse the code keyer. Um, and I think I actually built a cruise control, if I remember right, that from Heath kit, um, th- you know, those Heath kit manuals were just always fabulous, but they always would have that sheet, you know, of changes. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes right, two or three, them. yes. <laughs> and so you had to make sure that you, you, you know, you hit those, um, corrections to the manual, but they always did have very clear directions and, uh, it made it really easy to, uh, to build. Um, so those are some of the best, uh, kits out there. What would you, for transceivers, what would you, um, suggest for, um, beginners that are just kind of learning like maybe a clock kit or, you know, something simple just to start identifying parts and and start to, to learn, you know, which way a diode goes in and that kind of thing. What would you uh say would be the best ones for that?
1: Well, there's all sorts of simple ones out there. Um uh I would say uh some of the kits from QRP guys are real simple. They're like a CW keyer and paddle. Uh, And from Rex, uh, W1REX, he has one called the uh, Little Squall, which is kind of a a fancier version of the Pixie, which is a CW transceiver, very simple. Uh, And the circuit board is labeled with all the different stages on it. So you not only put the parts on the board, but you know what stage those parts belong to. So you learn radio along with it. So that would be a good one, the Little Squall. Uh, There's a company called... Um well I'm trying to remember the exact name, but their webpage is vakits.com. Vakits.com. And they have things uh like a crystal tester and crystal oscillator and uh a lot of uh things that like flashlights and sequence and things like that with LEDs. That's probably a really good choice for um a beginner that just wants to solder parts on a board and make something work. Uh the Chinese Pixie also comes to mind because uh those cost around four dollars and it's a great club buy. And uh it's a simple forty meter CW transceiver that shouldn't take more than about an hour and a half or two hours for a beginning builder to put together.
0: Excellent. Those sound like some uh some great choices. Now you mentioned um you know some of the kit makers going uh out of the business like uh, electronic rainbow and and Ramsey and one of my favorites uh from Ramsey was the the old radar zapper um where when radar detectors were big you could build this little CW transmitter that was up in the 5 gigahertz range i think it was it was
1: actually 10 gigahertz 10 gigahertz and it, gigahertz, and yeah. it looked like a garage door opener
0: yeah <laughs> and i still ha- i still have mine i, I still have that Well, I
1: I had one, and I called it my tractor beam, because if somebody zapped around me and I saw a detector on their dash, I'd push that button, and it was like a tractor beam. You could pull him back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they even, in the instructions, had this game that you got you know, two points for brake lights, and five points if they pulled over, and <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, that was really good. was learned about
1: microwave diodes and, and microwave circuits, so uh, it had its use, and you could, uh, it actually had a legitimate use, and that was uh, testing those kind of receivers as well as uh, uh, automatic door openers would work with that as
0: well. Yeah, that was a really cool kit, and and so Ramsey's gotten out of those kits, but uh, Joe just yeah. gave you some good, uh, good places to find some now, of those kits. You can kits. still
1: get some of the Ramsey kits. Uh, they're still available on Amazon.com, and you just uh, search for Ramsey Electronics or Ramsey Kits, and uh, whatever they have left uh, is being sold on Amazon right now.
0: Now, did you ever build the, um, the service monitor?
1: Uh no I did not.
0: Yeah, they had they had the service monitor that, that they would uh offer in kit form. And um that, I can't imagine having that kind of a build, but um they had it in kit form so you yes, could they did. Just buy it yeah, that way. I,
1: I just never uh decided <laughs> to take the time to build one of those. Yeah,
0: that'd but be a it, massive I, undertaking.
1: But it would have been a great addition to my bench.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I read an article here um, online just uh, a week or two ago uh, about uh, the shack is back, that Radio Shack has come out of bankruptcy, but they're they're in a very different state. And, you know, for a lot of years, my big complaint was, well, all the parts are gone and, you know, it's just radio-controlled cars and cell phones and gadgets and stuff, and And it got to the point where, you know, if I had to go fix the repeater, I couldn't just run to Radio Shack and get the parts anymore. And now they're saying that they're going after the maker market and that um, this guy that that wrote the opinion piece uh, was saying, uh, you know, good for Radio Shack and and hello, Heathkit, where are you? Uh, Because Heathkit's trying to make a comeback. And so can you comment on that a little bit and and well, sure. tell us what's um, going on with that.
1: Actually, it was a little over a year ago when everybody was making raids on Radio Shack stores with all the bargains when they were closing things out.
0: Yeah, and, I bought $400 actually, worth of parts at a Radio Shack that was going out in Greenwood for $31. Yeah,
1: and I that, got... that's
0: my part collection at school.
1: Yeah, I picked up for like $100, I picked up like three or four soldering irons and boxes that that were those 15 or 20 foot or whatever of uh, RG58 coax assemblies. And then those two uh, assortment boxes they had of parts and stuff. I got all that for a lot less than what I would have paid. Uh, And Uh, it's great. I'm still using that stuff. And uh, it was a great bargain. But it also tells you that they did have Arduino stuff and a couple of things for the Raspberry Pi before they went bankrupt. And now they seem to be looking back at it. The only thing is, is that uh, about 70% of their stores are Radio Shack Sprint stores. So they're primarily the Sprint, uh, phone products, but they do carry uh, a variety of the regular Radio Shack products in there. Uh, but it's much smaller variety of stuff than than you used to see before. And then there are a handful of stores that are traditional Radio Shack that I don't know if they even have the cell phones in them anymore uh, that are more traditional Radio Shacks. Here in Lincoln, we have just one of each. Uh, the the phone one and the regular one. And I have not been in there lately uh, to take a look again. Uh, I was there about six months ago, though. And like I said, the traditional one was still pretty traditional, but it just didn't have as many merchandise items as they used to have. Uh, But they were carrying more stuff that was aimed at Arduino and Raspberry Pi users. Um, Heathkit Uh, has reconstituted itself. Somebody actually bought the rights to the copyrights uh, on the original uh, intellectual property and the logo and so forth. And he's out in Silicon Valley. And so far, he's come out with a uh, TRF AM radio kit, which sells for $149.95. So it's $150 for a relatively simple AM radio. And he has two versions, one that you solder and one that you don't. And then he has a version of what's called the Ventenna. Uh, They don't call it that, but it's a uh, 2-meter and 440 antenna that clamps to your vent on your house. You can have an outside VHF, UHF antenna that meets... um, Uh, neighborhood restrictions. And that's also $150. And so that's the only two real new products I've seen other than some replacement assemblies and upgrade boards for certain hi-fi equipment that uh, Radio Shack came out with years ago, uh, not Radio Shack, uh, Heathkit did, as well as a replacement set of cups for their anemometer and things like that.
0: Yeah, I, I I I want to say it was a cruise control that I built for some for for somebody actually. Um when I was a kid, you know, there was just an unlimited number of of kits that they had and um so it'll be interesting to see uh
1: Yeah, I had you know, a friend if this guy color uh, comes years with that. Ago.
0: Oh wow, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they uh if they revive, you know, a lot more than just those two. So, well, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that and and see how that goes. Well, it's time to take our final break. Uh, We'll be back to take your calls for Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, right after this message from Tower Electronics. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman and HamPro technologies. Tower Electronics online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. My Shacker yours. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight so we can bring you Ham Talk Live. They'll be at the Princeton, Illinois Ham Fest on Sunday. And next week, they'll be in Newberry, Michigan. Call 920-435-2973 or visit their website at pl-259.com. And they have all kinds of stuff for kit builders, right, Joe? Yes, they do. In fact, uh, I always tell kit
1: builders to always have on hand plugs, jacks, connectors, power supplies, um, uh, all the things you need when you get a kit done to plug it into the outside world. And they have it all. And they are my first go-to at a ham fest when I see them there. Uh, They just know to hand me a box and start filling it up because they know that's where I get my plugs, jacks, and connectors. Scott and Jill do a wonderful job at Tower Electronics.
0: Oh, absolutely. They came to uh, the ham fest that I ran in Evansville for every single year it existed. And were are always uh, helpful in uh, providing the club with some things and, and my school club with things and uh, just uh, fabulous people. So Tower Electronics, pl-259.com or 920-435-2973. So, shout out to uh, Scott and Jill for that. And uh, connectors, uh, cables, plugs, you name it, adapters, they've, they've got it. So, uh, be sure to um, visit them when they are in your area or online. And be sure to listen to the show every Thursday night at 9 p.m., brought to you by Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live if you miss that show, you can download it um, from the website and most popular podcasting sites. Well, it's time for more of your calls, uh, so call us, uh, you can do an audio call on Skype at HamTalk Live, um, or you can call us by the old Twisted Pair, as they used to call it, the telephone, at 812-NET-HAM-1, that's 812 net ham one six three eight four two six one you can also tweet us at at ham talk live and um, let us know what your uh, questions are so uh, before we we get too far away here um, tell the audience the story about the dr seuss hat now i know you only wear that at dayton but, but tell tell the audience the story of of the dr seuss hat
1: well, actually, uh, it's only been worn one other place, and that was two years ago when I went to Friedrichshafen. But uh, one year I was sick and did not make him hamvention. And so uh, the following year I still wasn't doing really well and didn't go to any of the hospitality suites and so forth in the evening. In fact, I kind of slept in in the morning and didn't get there till later also. And uh, the second year that I had come back, People were saying, uh, you know, I missed you twice in a row. They'd tell me on the air, I missed you two years in a row. And I said, well, I was gone one, but I had my little red ball cap on. Well, finally, one guy on the air said, well, maybe you need a bigger hat so I can see you in the crowd because I don't want to miss seeing you. Uh, And so I took it to heart. And when I was at the state fair a few months later, I saw these Dr. Seuss hats, but they were not quite Dr. Seuss hats. They looked like it, but they had kind of a spiral stripes on it. And so I went to a a store in Omaha, which sells a a lot of Halloween costumes, and I found the actual Dr. Seuss hat. And then I had it stitched uh, with my name and call letters on it and uh, extra felt put on it to uh, mount the antenna that goes up the back, and it actually helps because uh, my friends that listen to me on VHF or UHF at Dayton uh, can usually copy me pretty good because it it works a lot better than having the rubber duck on your hip. Oh, yeah. And so the following year, I brought it with me, but I didn't put it on. I put back on my little regular red ball cap again with my name and call letters on it, like everybody else wears, and people were saying, well, where's the hat? We need to be able to find you. And so I went back out to my car, and I brought the cap in and put it on. And ever since then, it's been a tradition. And uh, next year will be the 20th year that I've worn the hat.
0: Wow, 20 years with the Dr. Seuss hat. But it does. It it makes it really easy to find you. I I found you all the way across the the, uh, food area uh, this year. Uh, just from that hat, so I knew, oh, i got to go down there and catch Joe I've real had, quick.
1: I've had people who were looking for me and didn't know what frequency to call me on crawl up into the chairs in the arena, and they'd see me come in, and they'd come downstairs, or they'd spot me across the ball arena or something. And so it's helped, uh, so I don't have to go searching for somebody. They, they all find me.
0: Now, but the thing is, then, w- when I see you at Huntsville, there's no hat.
1: That's right. It's just a Dayton tradition. Of course, if you look at Huntsville, it's probably easier to find somebody there than it is in Dayton because it's all in one room. Well, true. So it is it is a lot easier and uh, there's a lot less interference. So it's more easy to find me on UHF or something. But um, unless I'm on DMR, then I'm hiding from everybody. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um and I, I'm always taking pictures, and you'll always see uh, the camera with me. I've been taking pictures since my first Hamvention in 1975, and I've kind of become the official photographer for the Hamvention. And, uh, um, about four years ago, they flew me to Dayton to present to Dara my old Dayton pictures and videos that go back in the 70s and 80s and so forth and to explain to them why I make these slideshows that are set to music. And and the reason I did that was because every year since my first visit, I would give a presentation to my local club here in Lincoln and in Omaha and surrounding clubs here in Nebraska and Iowa and at different ham fests and conventions all year long uh, saying what happens at Dayton and what it takes to go there. And it was a, a way I found to show a lot of pictures in a short amount of time to give them a really good idea and make it entertaining by sending it to
0: music. Absolutely. Um, love those. We'll talk about that here in a, a just a second. I want to remind people that we're taking your calls live right now. Um, the number is 812-NET-HAM-1. 812-NET-HAM-1. Or you can tweet us uh, at HamTalkLive or on Skype at HamTalkLive. So if you have questions about kit building or uh, anything else for Joe? Why well, give us a call uh right now. And um yeah, the 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 Facebook group even has the um uh, the top twenty countdown of Joe Eisenberg yeah. uh picture videos. So every year you take a song and you you put all the pictures in with the song and you you have a theme going.
1: Yeah. And so tell us like- about that. Like this year's was turn up the radio. So what did you see in the in the video? You saw a lot of large amplifiers and big radios. Yes, you saw a whole variety of stuff, but the emphasis was on the big stuff. Um, there, Each one has a theme. I did Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and I, of course, followed up with The Boys Are Back in Town. Uh, I did uh, Taking Care of Business uh, several years ago, which covers the uh, business and uh, buying and selling at Dayton. Um, I try to make each one have a theme. And uh, next year's is probably going to be radio waves, and the emphasis on that will be antennas. Um, so I try to come up with a theme And I hear these songs when I'm driving back and forth because I live in Lincoln, but I work in Omaha. And so I have about an hour each way, each day, 50 miles, where I'm listening to music on the radio. And sometimes the song will just stick in my craw and I'll just say, you know, that's that might work. And I will come up with one. Now, a couple years ago, I had one all picked out and I probably still will use it in a future year. But I was on my way to Branson with a friend of mine riding with me. We were carpooling down there for Ozarkon. And uh, while driving, we kept hearing Sharp Dressed Man. And he kept saying, Joe, I love your slideshows. Why don't you make one out of that? And I said, well, it has nothing to do with radio. I can't do a radio theme. And he says, you don't have to. Just make it fun. And so I had everybody doing the gesture that ZZ Top does in in the the, uh, old 1980s rock video. And made that into my slideshow, uh, so that was kind of a fun one. Um, uh, now, now d- I'll
0: tell you that though that one of the things that I noticed this year that that I don't always get to see was after contest university when I went down to the the lobby at the Crown Plaza because I normally don't go down there, but this year I did because of some parking things, and all these guys started coming in, in 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 their suits and ties and everything because they were going to the ARRL, um, banquet and keynote on Thursday night. And so they were all sharply dressed. Mm-hmm. So you that might be able to do dinner. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that was the donor dinner. And I've been to that before. And, uh, yeah, so you do see a lot of sharp dressed people on that. I kind of took a lighter look at it with, with my show uh freeze frame which i did a couple years ago uh looks at photography how many people are taking pictures like i am uh so every year has kind of a theme and we try to follow it and if you listen carefully to the words of the songs and look at the pictures you'll see that it actually ties in and um and there's there's one that has a real sad ending and that is uh Mr. Blue Sky, I actually showed the teardown of Hamvinch, and that was because I had like a 6.30 flight that year. So I had the time to do it. And, uh, uh, but there's some photographic tricks in, in some of them, uh, like in Radio Gaga, uh, everybody thinks somehow I was in the cockpit of the plane to take the shots because you're looking straight down the runway and you're looking into the cockpit. And it was simply a juxtaposition of shots taken out my window. Uh, and, and when we crossed an active runway, I shot down the runway so that it looks like we're going straight down it. And, and so it's kind of fun. It's kind of playing with editing photos and stuff like you would with video. And it gives kind of the illusion that you're flying the plane there. And and like this year, we kind of did a a fun thing. We did kits on a plane. And that was when I actually built a kit with Rex, who makes the uh, tuna tin kits and so forth. Uh, He was sitting next to me on the flight and... uh, Uh, kind of by coincidence, and uh, we got to go over the kit that we were going to do together at the World's Biggest Build-A-Thon. So that was a lot of fun, and so you get to see kits on a plane uh, in the slideshow.
0: Very good. So if you want to see these, if you haven't seen those before, uh, go to YouTube, YouTube youtube.com, and search for? Uh, Joe
1: Joe Husker. Joe Husker is... Yeah, J O E H U S K E R is the uh, channel name. And you can also search for K zero N E B.
0: Okay. So those are those are always great to watch and uh, enjoy those uh, greatly. So you have to check those out too. Eight one two net ham one. Eight one two net ham one. If you have kit building questions or or questions for Joe about uh the pictures from Dayton or anything else, give us a call. Um or you can tweet or you can skype at hamtalk live um, want to um, go back to the kits for a moment I, I and now it escapes me of course as soon as I say that um, but if you were... Um, Looking at uh, a kit to do for a, a large group, like you said, the, the world's biggest uh, build-a-thon, um, what would you suggest for, for something like that?
1: Uh, simplicity is best. Obviously, when you have a larger number of builders, you want to make it as simple as you can, and yet entertaining and and have a, at least a variety of components, like an IC and a couple of transistors and a few resistors and a few caps, so that they get an idea of how to handle each different kind of part, because you want at least one of each of the major groups of components So uh, I would look at that when you're choosing a kit because you don't want to make it too hard, like having to wind a toroid or something, unless you have plenty of time, like an all-day kit build. Uh, There's a kit that's uh, relatively simple to put together, but it takes some preparation to do it as a group. And that is, uh, and I can't remember who puts it out, but it is a uh, direction-finding kit, and uh, it's put out by somebody in Ohio. And, uh, it, you make kind of a bow tie antenna out of bent coat hangers and solder lugs, and you hook it to this board and you put it on your receiver and you hear a tone. And when the tone nulls, you're looking the direction of the transmitter. And so it, it lets you teach both kit building and fox hunting. And, uh, um, uh, I remember the name now. It's called a handy finder, H A N D I F I N D E R. The handy finder runs on a nine volt battery and each kit does not come with the wire for the, uh, connection to the radio, nor does it come with the, uh, coat hanger, metal coat hanger that you bend to make the bow tie, but you can also use stiff copper wire as well. And, um, uh, in fact, household, uh, electrical wire, uh, works really good for the antenna, the stiff stuff like you'd put in a house. And, uh, the kit's relatively inexpensive. I think in bulk, it's about $24 each has a variety of parts, goes together very quickly. And then you get to have two events. You have a kit build and then you get to teach fox hunting. And so that would be a good group build.
0: Oh, that sounds like a, a really good deal. We, we just had a, uh, transmitter hunt uh, fox hunt uh, on um, Tuesday for the school and uh, they they did a good job with it we had uh, several that had been on one before so they they did really well with that but that would be a good good project for them Um, I remembered what I was going to talk about Uh, before the show we were talking about the old um, spring kits where you would take a wire and and bend a spring and put it in inside of one of the springs to to connect it like i had the uh, radio shack 150 in one kit and uh you said that you started out on something similar when you were seven
1: yeah it was uh i was nine years old and it was a 40 in one kit and it had a it was a little more difficult type spring terminal and some fondstock clips and things like that
0: but they would have all the parts in there and labeled and then you would just plug the wires in um, so that you could connect and disconnect pretty easily and then i know they they started coming out with these snap kits
1: yeah they're where modular. The, the
0: things yeah would just snap together so so what should, compare and contrast those uh, and what you think of those and are those spring kits still made by anybody
1: Yes, they are. I think Alenco, L-E-N-C-O, makes some of those, and they're good um, if they allow you to make more than one item. They have several that only make one thing, like an AM-F-M radio, which is okay, too, but I kind of prefer the ones that let you make several different circuits, because then you learn that a component can do more than one thing. And so I would look at Alenco, and I can't remember who else carries those. And I think Radio Shack may still offer them uh,
0: mail order. Uh, Okay, very good. Well, I remember, uh, you know, probably seven years old, eight years old, something like that. uh, We actually needed a circuit to trigger the push-to-talk on uh, the repeater because something had had gone out and, and we actually, our repeater was actually a kit. Um, it was one of the, uh, Hamtronics.
1: Hamtronics yeah. Yes. It's
0: actually VHF engineering, but it was yeah. the, the Hamtronics thing with a different name on it. But, um, Somebody in our, our club had actually built that, and you know everything was great. And then all of a sudden, the king circuit went out. And so, uh, my one fifty and one, I wired it up for the Vox circuit, I think it was, and, and we modified it slightly and and actually had it running the repeater for a week or two um, <laughs> until we could get everything working. So, well, they, it, you it know, shows it the things good you stuff.
1: learned. Yeah, it shows the things you learned from kit building. And I always tell people that. That one of the neat things you can do once you've learned about your kit is add to it, improve on it. You might want to adjust different values to see what they do. Um, there's all sorts of things you can do once you learn about the circuits that make up the kit.
0: Yeah, that is a, that's a and great opportunity. Of course, opportunity you know how to, to fix that. it. Yeah, and that's always the good part about you know, that, like building an aircraft. You know, that's that's a complicated build, but you learn how to fix it and you can go in there and and repair those things so it's a great advantage to that
1: and that's one of the things I tell my my kit building classes and that is that if you find somebody selling a set of standard parts like uh, an assortment of quarter watt resistors which are probably the most common in kits uh, or uh, a variety of disc capacitors or NPO capacitors or electrolytic capacitors or diodes or transistors or ICs that are common in kits. Uh, Make sure they're values that that you would commonly use. And set up some parts bins. You can get them at Harbor Freight or Sears or places like that. And sort them out so that you have them available. Uh, I keep those on my bench. Because it's terrible to be working through a kit and suddenly find out you need a 10K resistor because you'd lost it or it was missing or something like that. And you can just reach up in your tray and pull out one of those and put it in. Or you might find out that, oh, the CW side tone, it can be a little more comfortable pitch to your ears if you substitute a 680 ohm resistor instead of a 1K or something. And so you have those parts on hand.
0: All great tips from Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, the kit building editor from CQ Magazine. Joe, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: And thank you very much, Neil, and uh, have a wonderful summer.
0: All right. That's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest, Joe, K0NEB, and all the callers and listeners out there in cyberspace, and invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern when Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, joins us from Amateur Radio Newsline, from the News Desk in New York. For a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me